Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Happy August of 2018, Screen the Screener Podcast fans. It's August 1st. My partner Gus is here. And you know what that means, partner? We are 97 days away until the Champions Classic. 97 days, August 1st. College basketball, closer than you think. 97 days sounds pretty good. And if we're going to start with that type of introduction to the college basketball season, that sounds just about perfect. Just want to say welcome into the listeners. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And you can have been anywhere else on the dial, but you chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. Mike, what else are we going to talk about for the listeners tonight to give them that college basketball fix, to give them that, that feeling that, that that 97 days doesn't seem that far away? Well, we're going to dive deep into some more teams. We had a lot of positive feedback on our last pod where we talked about a key question that each of some mm. of the top teams are looking at this year and have to answer in order to find success. So, Gus, I got a few more for you. I'm going to sort of go back and forth across the country here because we are not an East of the Mississippi podcast. We love West Coast basketball. We love everything about college basketball. So I thought, Gus, we'd start on the West Coast. In fact, I thought we'd start as West as you could possibly go with the Washington Huskies. Okay. They were 20 and 12 last year, 10 and 8 in conference. Hopkins comes in from Syracuse. We all think he's going to succeed Bayheim and then finally he gets sick of waiting for Bayheim, so he grabs a job in Washington. And the question was was Noah Dickerson going to come back? Well, when Noah Dickerson decided to come back, Husky fans sort of knew that they were going to have a decent season, and I think they were very happy with that season. Hopkins focused on who he had in to worry about who he was leaving. And the result got them to round two of the NIT last year. Like I said, 10 and 8 conference record. Mm-hmm. And all the people who left may be wondering, maybe they should have stayed. In the NIT, they beat Boise and then lost to St. Mary's 85-81. But certainly that was a solid, solid season. Mr. Hopkins was coach of the year in the Pac-12. And he used that bonus to buy Starbucks gift cards for the fans, which I think I mentioned on a prior podcast. A great get by him. Coach Hopkins, I would love a cafe mocha if that was possible. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he has changed the culture in Washington basketball. They got Noah Dickerson back, Matisse Thibel, David Crisp, and Jalen Noel to lead the Huskies next year. Now I'm hearing rumors, Gus, that Sam Cunliffe, we talked about him in Kansas, wants to transfer to Washington, yep. give him a little bit of a shooter, a little player there. And Hopkins has also recruited well. He got the seven-foot center out of Long Beach, California, Brian Penn Johnson. He's a four-star recruit. He was in the top 100 by both ESPN and Scout, and he was the number three ranking in the state of Utah. If you add him in, he now has Penn Johnson along with four-star small forward Jamal Bay, who's from Nevada, who is the 2018 Nevada Gatorade Player of the Year, had 22 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and two steals as a senior. So with those players coming back and with Hopkins now sort of getting settled into that chair there, my question to you is, Can Washington make it back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in eight years? Ooh, okay. Let's just go straight to the yes or no part of this question, right? The answer is yes. They are going to go back to the tournament for the first time in eight seasons. I like it. Let's let's get some Husky love in the Pac-12 and get them into the tournament. And, I mean— if we, th- if we just hit the rewind button a little bit, if we remember back, how about uh, mid-February? Weren't they in the conversation? 
They were oh, on the yeah. fringe, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. They were bubble bubbly, uh, that type of situation. They did not finish the season, I think, as you know, with the type of wins that they wanted. But here's what happened. You talked about the change of culture, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned some of the things that happened that haven't happened in you know, 21 season, uh, over 10 wins in the Pac-12. They were a factor. If we, you know, if we go back and remember, they they kind of put us on alert about Kansas. Yes, they did. That loss, that win against Kansas, which wasn't all it wasn't a home game. I just want to say it was not a home. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. You, like, you like like how we set you up there? That was oh, yeah, thank you. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, it wasn't excellent. a home game. That 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 game that Washington won against Kansas put all of us on alert that maybe this is the year that Kansas is vulnerable for that. Uh, Big 12 title, which obviously wasn't the case. And also, they won some big games in the Pac-12 season by defeating like Arizona State and uh, a few other like top-level teams. So they caught our attention, and they caught our attention with their defense. You mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned Penn Johnson. Yep. Penn Johnson mm-hmm. is perfect for that kind of zone concept. Yep, wingspan, that Hopkins has wingspan, from, sure. Right, that he's brought from Syracuse. If you think of all those great Syracuse zones, they have a offensive inefficient center, but one that can make a difference on the defensive end. Um, I mean, just think of like Fab Mello, right? Are we, are we going to oh, use that? Is that? Wow. Okay? Wow. Very nice, Fab Mello. Yes. Okay. So I think that he falls into that category. But let's pay attention to what's left. I mean, you mentioned Noah Dickerson. Noah Dickerson is a first team Pac-12 performer, yes. no doubt. Yes. Uh, David David Crisp is a great veteran backcourt vet that you want with the ball trusted in his hands, late-game situations. And I'll tell you right now, Matisse Thibel, he's one of the most underrated players in the country, end of sentence, done. Like, he did, he's gonna, he did not get any love last year. I mean, we look at his stat line, it's very generic. But he's one of those players that the NBA craves. And he will find a job or an opportunity in the NBA because he can guard multiple positions. He will effort on the defensive end. He can do a lot of things offensively with the ball. He can shoot the ball a little bit from three. He's not going to turn it over a ton. And he's going to be able to take care of multiple positions on the defensive end. And really, when you think about it, if you want somebody on the wing part of this zone, Thibel's the guy. He's going to be the difference maker. He's going to be that like Wesley Johnson type player on the on the zone for this Washington team. So I can see Chris doing some efficient, uh, uh, not making a, a ton of mistakes with the ball. I can see Dickerson being the, you know, the go-to guy that makes an impact on the offensive end. And then I can see, you know, uh, Noel obviously scoring at the clip that he scored at last year, uh, maybe improving that three-point number, maybe getting a little bit closer to 40%. So I think they have all the pieces in place, especially with some of the uh, recruits that you said they have coming in. I think the pieces are here for this team to get into the NCAA tournament with nothing else except their defensive prowess and maybe a couple of timely baskets by Dickerson and Crisp. Well said. And Was- and really, Hopkins and Washington had about as good a year as they could have hoped in the year oh, one of, of his reign. They started off up and down, won a couple games, and lost to Providence, Virginia Tech. You mentioned Wednesday, December 6th, they win. It's funny. On this sheet here, Gus, it says at Kansas. I mean, that, that's what it says in the sheet. There's an A. You know, the A that says at Kansas. Yeah, very, uh, very good. They win their 74-65, nine-point win, play tremendous. Then they play Gonzaga the next night, a little bit of a letdown. A couple nights later, get destroyed. But then from there, they won four in a row. 
They won at USC. Then they lost at UCLA. Then they won a couple games in a row. Then they lost mm-hmm. Stanford and Utah. But from that point, they probably had the greatest stretch they had the entire year. Four games in a row at Colorado, win by 10. Washington State home, win by 18. Arizona State home, win by four. Yep. Arizona home, win by three. So really, just a nice run there, and they finished up. So I agree with you. I think they're looking at the tournament. I think they are a tough matchup. Penn Johnson should be very, very good. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, Coach Hopkins, early returns. Give me another cup of coffee. Very good. <laughs> Excellent ending to that. Yes, well done. A bit of the Washington bubbly, if you will. They were bubbling up. Very well done. Next one <laughs> Next one up, Michigan State Spartans. I mean, we could spend two hours on this, on this one. At this, this, t- this one's tough. I'm, I'm with you, yeah. At this time last year, I would have bet you whatever you wanted that they were making the Final Four. I went oh. into one of my I've never been more confident speeches when they played Duke. In the opening right. game, they have used my bookie. Hopefully, be a sponsor again this year. Lost some money on that, but now gambling's legal, so it's fine. Uh, Michigan State Spartans, twenty-nine and four, sixteen and two. Turbulent year. They did win the Big Ten regular season title, but thanks in part to an unbalanced schedule. Right? They only played Ohio State once. They only played Purdue once. They did lose to Michigan twice. Sort of an odd thing there. But the loss of Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson certainly doesn't make it easy. They got Joshua Langford back. They got Cassius Winston back. They got my the bane of my wife's basketball watching existence, Nick Ward. Whenever she watches, he's missing layups. He's traveling. She hates him. But that junior trio should lead them. They have a top 20 recruiting class. They have four-star recruits, Marcus Bingham, Foster Loyal, and Gabe Brown. All four stars, all from Michigan, numbers one, three, and four in the state. Lawyer was actually Michigan Mr. Basketball. So Izzo Ooh, still, okay. re- still recruiting in state here, Okay. My question to you is, can the Spartans move past these scandals? It used to be the running joke. Oh, here comes Michigan State. Oh, they're going to make a run in the tournament. If you go there for four years, you will make the final four. All that stuff is gone. Can Izzo regain his end-of-season success, or has the rest of the Big Ten finally caught up with Sparty? Oh, wow. Have they caught up? I haven't been paying attention to the race that closely, but let's try to <laughs> let's try to answer the let's try to answer the question as succinctly as possible and and say no, they won't retrieve the success that they had previously this season, with a caveat, with a, a, a asterisk, with with a question mark. If there is a season where they are, this might be the season. On our last podcast, we talked about the uncertainties of all the top teams. We mentioned Duke, their lack of shooting, and their reliance on freshmen. We talked of Kansas and all of their talent and all of the pieces that Coach Self has to integrate together to find success. We talked about Kentucky. Can they uh, can they marry a grad transfer freshman returning players to find success? Uh, we even talked about some of the warts that Gonzaga might have. We talked about uh, maybe can Nevada like duplicate what they were able to accomplish last year and extrapolate that out even further? So all of these top teams that we've mentioned do have big question marks. And maybe Michigan State, with their returning core, and you mentioned the, the strong returning core that they have in the backcourt with um, uh, Langford and Winston. Uh, we mentioned that Ward might actually get more efficient touches you know, like in the paint now yeah. that it's not so cr- crowded, right? Yeah, you know what's interesting, Gus, is is you and I always are big fans of point guard play. And we talked last year about how Rob Doster pointed out when he came on our pod about whether or not Duke had a real point guard. And he was right. They did not. You know what? Michigan State didn't have one either. 
Langford and Winston, the back, that backcourt didn't settle things down. I don't remember watching them in big games. I mean, I remember them making a lot of shots, okay? But yeah. I don't remember them really controlling tempo, controlling flow. Maybe you should have used Tum Tum Nair more. I don't know. But they really didn't have a point guard. So I think the question is going to be, can one of these guys really become a point guard leader, not just a point guard scorer, right? I'm going to disagree with you slightly. I think Winston is that guy. But I think it was hard to be that guy last year with everybody on the floor wanting to get their touches and like needing to get their touches, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, true. So I think Winston is that guy. I mean, Winston shot at 40% from three, had a good assist-to-turnover ratio, decent assist-to-turnover ratio, not good. We'll we'll classify that as decent. Um, He very well could lead the – he could lead the conference in assists. Um, so he can do point guard type things. He does play at his own speed. Uh, so I, I feel like he is the answer at point guard, but I do agree that maybe he didn't have the personality for that squad last year as the point guard. Maybe this year as a junior, he does with less moving parts and less hands that need the ball in it. You're right. I mean, you're totally right. And if you look at his end of season stats, certainly they look better than I portrayed them. You know what I remember though, watching this team a lot because I was very invested in Miles Bridges. You know, I'll just take an example. So they're playing Michigan. They're home on January 13th. That was mm-hmm. a team that struggled to not have a point guard, right? I mean, pretty much they, they, they were, they, they had some guys, but I wouldn't say they had a dominant point guard, right? Right, they it it took them a little while to find Xavier Simpson uh, right, as the right, player. Yeah, right. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it took them a little while to get there. So here it is, January, Michigan, home, eleven points, two assists from Cassius yeah. Winston. You know, and th- and then when he played, well, you know, they played Purdue. Okay, ten points, ten assists, great. But I I just did you know Michigan in in the tournament in the Big Ten tournament, eleven points, five assists. I just. I felt like I never got the big games that they needed besides the 10 yeah. and 10 against Purdue. Not like, and, and you're okay. right, with Miles, with all those guys there, Jaron Jackson, Miles Bridges, maybe he kind of took a backseat, but uh, could you drop 18 and 11 on me one time here, Cassius? I mean, with all these guys, I, I get it. And maybe he becomes that player this year. Yeah, I think that's the growth that you're hoping, and you're hoping that Langford takes that a similar step on the scoring end. And you hope that Nick Ward. Gets more minutes and stays out of foul trouble, I think, if you're Michigan State. Maybe the duo of Xavier Tillman and Nick Ward might Mm -hmm. actually be a better – now, to stick with my phrasing here, it might be a better college basketball Big Ten big man pairing than Nick Ward and Jackson. I'm not saying it's a better pairing. But maybe it's a better pairing in the Big Ten in college basketball. My friend, I totally agree with you. If you want to be successful – you have to play the role. You have to know what your roles are. And there definitely was a struggle all year long for Michigan State figuring out what Miles Bridges' best role was. And he was the best player, and he can hit mm-hmm. really deep threes, but he wasn't super consistent on jumpers. And then he could do mm-hmm. a dunk that would make you jump out of your seat, but he wasn't grabbing as many rebounds. It was a very odd dynamic. Totally agree. And Sparty, after that, lost to Duke. They were on fire. They won, gosh, six, nine. It looked like they won four, uh, 15 game, 14 games in a row before losing at Ohio State. Then they lost to Michigan two games later. Then they went on wildfire and won 13 games in a row before right. losing to Michigan in the semifinals there of the Big Ten tournament. And they went into the NCAs. They were three seed, right? Beat Bucknell. Close game, yep. but beat Bucknell. 
closer than you think. And then they could not solve Syracuse, which absolutely shocked me. I just shocked. Gosh, I never thought with the sh- way they shoot the ball, I just never thought that would happen. Yeah, you know, you never thought that the I think that Miles Bridges game is the, the, <sighs> the stat line from that is just really ugly. You hate to see him go out on that game. How about this? I bet this Sparty team goes further in the tournament than last year's Sparty team. It How about that? Be. It could be. That's a really good – yeah, Miles Bridges, that game, you're right. Four of 18, three of 12 from three. Terrible. I mean, gosh, you thought they could run him out of the gym. Only three guys in doubles that game. Jaron Jackson, two points. Langford, three points. One of seven. One of 12 from the field for Joshua Langford. Cassius Winston actually showed up. He had three three three-pointers, 15 points. Nick Ward, okay, you know, just what just wasn't. Would have thought Chukwu. They said they could run him out of the gym, but they couldn't. Okay, I love Chukwu. One, 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 one more thing with Michigan State. You know, Izzo's had great success recruiting locally. So you want to see Bigham, Lawyer, and Brown do contribute. It seems like those guys might be like Michigan State, not lifers, but I don't think any of those guys are gonna be one and done. Right. So you right. want to see that those are like Izzo type guys. So you want to see maybe do they contribute at the end of the year this season? And how do they grow to next season? And do some of those juniors hang around? And are we talking about the Spartans maybe being a top five team next year preseason? Michigan State coming home. That's for sure. Back to the basics. Next team up, Auburn Tigers. Interesting team, as interesting as any of them. 25-7 and seven last year, 13-5 and five in conference. Tied for the regular season SEC title after being ranked ninth in the preseason polls. They lost, Austin, they lost Austin Wiley. They lost Daniel Purifoy as a result of that FBI investigation. Wiley is back this year, averaged nine points, 58% shooting as a freshman. He went to the NBA combine. He was invited, which certainly is a good sign for him, but he's coming back. Purifoy is also eligible to play Gus after sitting the first 30%, whatever that means, of the, of the upcoming season. I don't know where you get that number l- from. L- l- listen, do you know how, <laughs> how asinine that number is? Suspension arbitrage. Podcast titles. I'm trying to throw them out. Every every team I'm trying to throw one out. See if any of them you catch on any of them. They lost Mustafa Heron to St. John's, but Bruce Pearl's got enough to challenge for the SEC again. The depth is the key. They get Jared Harper back. We like Jared Harper. Love him. Anthony McLemore was a huge defensive loss and rebounding loss for them. I was watching that game with the misses when they lost uh the South Carolina and, and he got hurt and was taken out after dislocating his ankle and fracturing his tibia. So my question for the Auburn Tigers. After being predicted to finish ninth last year, they won the SEC regular title. Now, Bruce Pearl brings his energy, right, Gus? Brings the passion. He's fired up. He's jumping up and down the crowd. He got the Tigers back. He got them from total disaster back to respectability, tied for the SEC title, back in the NCAAs in his fourth year. But are we sure that Pearl has the ability to get Auburn back to the sustained success Charles mm. Barkley level, right? Right. Or is really this going to start going south as the rest of the SEC sort of catches up to him? So I guess I'm asking you, Bruce Pearl, Auburn, sustained success. What do you think? Would you take sustained success as back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances? I would. Yes, I would. Then guess what? This year will continue their path on okay. sus- on sustained success for college basketball standards. I like it. Are we going to give them another one the following year? We'll have to wait and see who hangs around. But I think with the roster that they have in place now, I think that Bruce Pearl has put Auburn on the track to get the elusive and somewhat difficult, more difficult than you think, sustained success on the college basketball landscape. So first thing about Pearl, we know he can coach. And... Congratulations, he got a contract extension. So obviously the school believes in him. Uh, Auburn made the tournament. They won a game. And 
They did it without two of their best players. You mentioned that Wiley and Purifoy were not eligible last year. Wiley, I think, is one of those Selecant bigs who's going to give you some good paint touches. He's going to get you some easy scores on mismatches. Is he the most athletic guy? No. Is he going to be a defensive stalwart? No. Will he alter some shots? Absolutely. But I think we can't depend on him to be like a 20-point game scorer. Could he be a 12 to 15-point game scorer, depending on the matchups? Oh, absolutely. And how valuable is that if you're trying to stretch the floor in the modern basketball game? If you can get a paint touch from your big, I think that's huge. Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, love that backcourt. That's arguably one of the best backcourts in the nation. I think if you're going to say like top 10 backcourts, I think you could include Auburn. Both of those guys are studs. Love that Harper came back. Now, can Auburn and Pearl operate under like normal circumstances where there's no FBI fog following them? There's no roster like instability. There's nobody from his coaching staff getting fired. Can he just have like a normal season and operate in that normal season? I think he can. I think he's going to do great. I think Auburn's going to be in the running for uh, the conference title all season. And I think the expectations that you put out there for sustained success are absolutely appropriate. And you know what I think? I think Akoki and McLemore are going to perform on a very high level. I'm happy that both of those guys are back. And I think those are like kind of your stretch bigs that you're looking for in the modern college basketball landscape. So I think they have all the pieces and they have a coach that knows how to coach and has success. So I think all on the right track. Yeah. So Deshaun Murray's transferring. Okay. He's going to Western Kentucky, right? right? So they're losing him. Mustafa Heron, St. John's, but they get Bryce Brown back, who is 15.9 points per game. I think he's really, I think he's really underrated. 13 and five from Jared Harper, Mac Lamore, and they get Purifoy and Wiley back. Yeah. So lose Heron, lose Murray, Purifoy and Wiley back. Auburn should be right there at the top again. I completely agree with you. I think it's not crazy at some point during the season like they're a legitimate anchor top 12-ish team in the nation for like a month straight. I don't think there's anything wrong with that prediction at all. Moving on, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. (laughs) So last year, a lot of expectations for the West Virginia Mountaineers. I was all excited. I thought this could be them. This could be the year. They could knock off Kansas, certainly, because mm-hmm. I like the the cheat code here in West Virginia. Bob Huggins plus senior guards that can play defense yep. equals success, right? That's always been straightforward, and you're not going to find a harder worker than Javon Carter, who's caught on the NBA, certainly, and Daxter Miles. So those two guys were their leaders. They lost Issa Mod for the beginning of the year, but he came back. Now, no Carter, no Miles. Mm-hmm. They both left. And it looks like Gus West Virginia is going to be a big man dominated team. Yeah. Issa Mod, Konate's back for his elbow above the rim blocks. Thank goodness. West Harris, Lamont West. So my question for this team is Bob Huggins, up tempo style, right? But with two superb seniors, and certainly Carter's superb. Miles is very, very good, but Carter is a upper echelon, all American type player. Without question. With those with those guys, they only went 24 and 10 and 11 and 7, which a lot of teams would be happy about. But I would tell you that I expected a little bit more out of Bobby Huggins the way the year started. So if he's going to go 24 and 10, 11 and 7 with two tailor made guards for his style, how are they going to fare this year when they're pretty much a bunch of big guys and some unproven players in the backcourt? First part of the question that record will look fairly similar but not with the high-quality wins that their record owned last year. 
So the record might look pretty similar for the Mountaineers, but will they have that big win against Oklahoma and Trey Young? I don't know. Will they have that big win that they get against Kansas? I'm not sure. But will they get those 24, 25 wins? Will they get in the tournament? Yeah. So I think also they might need to adjust the pace of play. Since they don't have that trusted ball handler on the roster currently, or we haven't seen him yet, that's a little bit of an unknown. Perhaps James Bolden, perhaps the redshirt Frosh, uh, Brandon Knapper will take care of some of that. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that you mentioned all the bigs they have. They got Issa Mod coming back. He's like, you know, he's an all Big 12 type performer. Of course, Kanate's coming back. They're probably going to try to expand his offensive game. Lamont West is really talented. Uh, he's probably going to play a little stretch wing on uh, uh, from three. So they're going to get all of those big some touches. So the way that they're going to get those guys' touches is to slow down the pace and get them the ball in advantageous situations. So I can totally see Hugs playing with the tempo here, slowing down the tempo and getting a little, uh, stealing a little of the blueprint from Virginia and maybe trying to get valued possessions for all of those bigs that you mentioned since he's not really sure and he doesn't have a trusted ball handler or a guard that he knows is going to run his stuff. So to answer your question, Will they have the success they had last year? Yeah, the record will probably look the same, but it probably won't hold the same resume of wins that it has in the past years for Mountaineers. Will they make the tournament? Yeah, sure, they probably will. And will they have success in March? That's to be determined. I think the bigs will play well. I bet uh, West gets a couple of NBA sniffs. Of course, Kanate is always interesting on defensive end. So I think Huggy will adjust here and I'll he'll show and display how great of a coach he is but I also think there's a little bit more unknown than normal for the Mountaineers and for Coach Huggins. Now listen he's got a decent recruiting class uh, their, their recruiting class by 24-7 sports is ranked third in the Big 12 24th mm-hmm. 24th nationally they got Derek Culver who's a six foot eight, 205 pound forward from New Hampshire mm-hmm. that prestigious Brewster Academy in New Hampshire he was second. He's there. good. He's good. Yeah, four He's st- good. four star recruit. They got Jordan McCabe, five ten guard, third in the state of Wisconsin, four star recruit mm. as well. They got two three star recruits. Interesting guys. Trey Dooms from University School down in Florida, another school that produces a lot of players. Six three one eighty five. He's a three star recruit. As is Andrew Gordon, who's a three star recruit. However, Andrew Gordon is the number one ranked power forward. He's number two in the state of Florida. And he's eighth nationally because he's 6'10", 235. So Huggy's going to be big this year. He's going to be very wow. big. And they also love Emmett Matthews, who's coming over from Washington. Small forward, really quick, six foot six, 160, three-star recruit. So interesting stuff. He's going to be big for sure. Absolutely. Do you think that he'll try to do something that we talked about with Kansas and maybe try to run a little point forward with a mod maybe? I'm not sure if he has that skill set, but maybe because he's so jammed up, at the forward position, maybe he tries to run a little offense, maybe from the extended elbow with one of these big guys. Maybe he could be. He's got. He's got. Listen, he's a great coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. We know how tremendous he is. But he is yeah. absolutely going to have to do something different because he cannot run it the way he is. He's just going to have to change, and that's what the great ones do. And there's no reason to think that he won't. But for West Virginia fans, it'll be a very different face than you are used to seeing. That very different type of West Virginia team. One of the podcast favorites here, Gus TCU. Okay. Ooh, okay. So yeah. Jamie Dixon's teams have always struggled staying healthy in his first couple of years down in Texas. Hopefully that's going to change. They were 21 and 12 last year, 9 and 9 in the Big 12. And I thought mm-hmm. for one that they were another team that could challenge Kansas, but just didn't click down the stretch. 
They lost one of the podcast favorites, Vladimir Brodzianski, who just signed in Spain yesterday. He's got an overseas he contract did. in Spain. He did, okay. He's very happy. And Kendrick right. Williams, one of your favorites as well, uh, did not get drafted, but he's now in the Pelicans. He did get a contract yes. with the Pelicans. So that's very exciting. He, play, he played well in uh, Summer League. I was pretty excited yes, about that. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. So, the, But they have a lot of guys back. They have Desmond Bain back. He of the yep. 46% from three-point range, Desmond Bain, but needs to shoot more. Jalen Fisher, who got hurt, is back. Kawat Noy right. is back. Alex Robinson is back. J.D. Miller is back. All these guys return. So the question here is, he's got a great foundation back. This is TCU. Jamie Dixon going to get them up there? Are they going to take a step back? Is Jamie Dixon really ready to bring TCU into the upper echelon there of the Big 12? Or are they just going to stay, okay, they had a nice run, and last year they finished tied for they were nine and nine in conference they were a little bit better than oklahoma state and oklahoma but they were a game worse than kansas state behind west virginia behind texas tech and kansas they're ready to get into that top three this year with all those players back or are they going to really miss losing williams and brodzianski that's a great question are they ready to get into the top three of the big 12 yes oh man um how about this i think they're going to finish fourth or fifth will they be knocking on the door all season yes will they have over 10 wins in conference yes and I think we have to just, you know, let's just remember where TCU was coming from. TCU was coming from, you know, a lesser conference, came into the Big 12, got their doors beat in early on, and basically was the doormat of the conference for a number of years. Jamie Dixon comes in. They make the tournament. Uh, they, they are a factor all year. And maybe, like you mentioned, with some injuries, maybe if they don't have those injuries, maybe they have a little different ending of the script to the end of season this past year. And maybe it's not nine and nine. Maybe it's not uh, a first round knockout. Maybe it's a NCAA tournament win. Maybe it's a Big 12 tournament title. Maybe it's something like that without those injuries. So I think this goes back to what you reflected on, Mike, with Auburn. And will they have sustained success? By the way, TCU fans would love to have sustained success with the basketball program, wouldn't they? So I think the guys that you mentioned here, I think Fisher is the key. Will Fisher make the jump from really efficient player to stud? If he can make that jump and then have Alex Robinson keep him company in the backcourt, uh, Desmond Bain shoot it from deep, uh, and then have like the the, the bigs Noy and uh, Mayen, who are you know some of these longer athletes that uh, Dixon seems to like that can maybe fill that Kendrick Williams role. I think the backcourt is in place. If they can have some of these guys, like if they can have uh, Noy or or Mayton or maybe even uh, DJ Miller come in and find some minutes, then I think that that might work. I think that that's a that's a recipe for success. And you know it's worth keeping an eye on too is Caden Archie. He's one of those Texas guys that they got to stay in state. He's a great track and field athlete, so we really appreciate that part of his athleticism. And Archie just might be that wing that can keep those guards company and play off of the bigs that we mentioned earlier. They, they might be a factor. So are they going to finish in the top three? Uh, maybe they'll just be on the edge, scratching out of that top three and four or five in conference. But are they going to make the tournament again? Uh-huh. Are they going to be a factor all year and exciting to watch and be interesting on the offensive end? You got it. Can TCU shore up some of their defensive shortcomings that they had last year? I think that's a big question overall for this program. 
with some stats for you. TCU's only made the NCAA tournament eight times in their existence. They wow. haven't won a Big Ten tournament game since back in 1987, and they haven't made back-to-back NCAA tournaments since 52-53. So again, that'll this, change this year. This is that what will change this year with this program. That's what you're talking about. So already Dixon has has made a difference. Fisher, 12 points, five assists last year before he was before he had the injury, mm-hmm. and 40 percent in his career as a three-point shooter. Alex Robinson, who you know, I get frustrated with the shooting, but 10.6.1 assists. They should be able right. to do a nice job. Desmond Bain, Kawat Noy. You talked about Caden Archie, who's a four-star a player as well. And Yuat Alak, who is a Juco transfer, six foot eleven, so he's got a big guy as well. So I think there's a solid Ooh. foundation there. And I will just take you back, man, just to, to reminisce here. Last year, TCU started 12-0. Okay, 12-0. They yep. lost at yep. one point at home to Oklahoma. Then they beat yep. Baylor on the road. And then here comes Kansas. And both teams are one and one in conference. And I kept hyping it up on the pod that this is going to be the first time Kansas is below 500 in conference. It's whatever. And sure enough, 88-84. And then they lose to Texas in two overtimes. And then they lose at Oklahoma in two overtimes. And then they just go up and down the rest of the year. They ended up on a nice note. They won Oklahoma, right. went at Iowa State, beat Baylor, beat Kansas State. But then they go into the Big Ten tournament. They uh, lose. Oh, they end the season losing at Texas Tech. Then they start the yep. Big Ten tournament. They lose in overtime to Kansas State, and then of course they play Syracuse, and we know how that went. So, right back to back NCAs would be the key, man. That's the thing. But they certainly have a good foundation, and Jamie Dixon has a good group there coming back. Oh, without question. I think you talked about change culture. He's definitely changed the culture for the Horn Frogs. And the last team we'll talk about tonight, the LSU Tigers. Trying to get you a potpourri here of college basketball teams. So we've jumped all over the country. We'll end with LSU. Now, LSU last year was ninth in the SEC, but Will Wade is there. And is the Will Wade effect real? That's what we're trying to figure out. Part of us right. think, part of us think it is. I kind of think he's a, he's a mini version of Brad Stevens. They finished. Ooh. Yeah, how about that? Really? One? Yeah, finished ninth. He's got the same sort of, I don't know. Genes- that, that, that's, like a, that's like a hot take right there. It has the same like, yeah, it's called Will Wade Genesee Qua. That could be the podcast title. Okay. How do you spell Genesee Qua? See me tonight. <laughs> Listen, they battled last year in the SEC. They finished better than Georgia, better than South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Old Miss. They were behind Alabama, Texas A&M, the whole crew. They were 18 and 15 overall, 8 and 10 in conference. But they have something that many teams don't have, and that's star player Tremont Waters. Last year, Waters, as a freshman, 5'11", 167 from New Haven, Connecticut. I mean, just hit big shot after big shot for this team. So they have a foundational piece there. It was 15.9 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, did it all. So certainly he's going to be the go-to guy. But there's a lot of players on this team. He has talent. Will Wade certainly does have talent. So my question here with the LSU Tigers, is LSU making the NCAA tournament and is the Will Wade effect a real thing? Do you think that Will Wade's going to push this LSU Tiger team towards, you know, north in the SEC? So LSU Tigers, Gus, talk to me, Goose. Are they making okay. the tournament or not? Oh, that first question I'm so on the fence with. And I'm going to say yes. Okay. I think they are going to make the tournament. I say let's queue up the, the Chris Jackson, the Shaquille O'Neal, wow. and the Dale Brown wow. references right now. Wow. Let's do it. Wow. Let's play Let's play the reflection game and say like, oh, you remember when LSU was really good? And we'll go back to those times. That would be great. 
you know, shoot me up a, a Chris Jackson uh, highlight, you know, one of those long jumpers. Give me a Shaq dunk. Give me Dale Brown stomping on the sidelines. I think that would be amazing. So let's get LSU in the national conversation again. So how are they going to get there, right? Number one, you mentioned the, the leader. You mentioned Traymond Waters. Traymond Waters is going to lead this team, and he is going to be the type of all-America type talent that a team needs to get to the tournament. I liken him to Carson Edwards uh, nice last one. year. Very good. Very good comparison. Where excellent. he's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. You know what he is? He's just a top-shelf guard. So he's going to lead the talented freshman class that uh, Coach Wade has brought in. Uh, uh, Waters is going to uh, lionize that 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 talent that is in that freshman class, and he's going to lead the charge. And those guys are not going to have all of that scoring, uh, ball handling responsibilities on them. Waters will take care of all that. One of those freshmen is Nasreed. Now, if you're going to have somebody like Traymond Waters, a diminutive guard, you need to have a backup. Jersey, yo. Jersey, yo. That's right. Nas Reed is the backup. Rochelle and he Rochelle. And this proves that the Will Wade effect might be real. If he's going to come up to Jersey and grab a big-time talent like Reed to come down to SEC country. Reed is going to be a power forwardish type guy. He's going to do a little bit of everything. He's going to board for you. He's going to deflect some shots. He might even they might let him they might let him bomb a couple of threes. So this team has talent. And I think LSU fans want to root for this team now that like kind of the Ben Simmons era is over and there's a little space from it. And now I think that they can really get behind this team and root for this team to win. So I think if we throw in, I don't know, if you want like a wild card for uh, for this team, how about Skylar Mays? Yep. Will he step right. up and help him in the backcourt? And then how about Wade Sims on the wing? So if you can get some solid play, not even spectacular, just solid from Mays and Sims on the wing, you let Naz redo his work down low and be like this freshman star, and then you let Tremont Waters just explode onto the college national college basketball scene. I think LSU has something cooking here, and I don't know if I'm fully on board with your mini Brad Stevens, but I think this year will help paint that picture if that's true, Mike Randall. Jenna Sequa is spelled J E space N E space S I I S. S A I S space Q U O I. That it's it's is that appropriate for for Baton Rouge? I think that's a French roots. No. Well done. An indefinable quality that makes something distinctive or attractive. Will Wade, je ne sais quoi. There's your name of this podcast. Okay. Now, it's perfect. You made a you made a million excellent points. I was paying attention last year. He comes in in his first year, and they have mm-hmm. the number four ranked recruiting class in the SEC, number sixteen nationally. And that was last year. This year, my he, friend, he, he, he can recruit. Well, he certainly can because this year they have the number four ranked recruiting class in the country. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yep. Naz Reed, five-star recruit from Jersey. He was number one in Jersey. Emmett Williams, five-star recruit from Florida, power forward, five-star. Javante Smart, four-star recruit, number one in Louisiana. Got to keep the home state. He's going there. Totally. Four-star, Darius Days from the Rock School. Love that. Florida. Four-star. Marlon Taylor from Texas, three-star. Donye Kingsbury, three. By the way, and Cortez Cooper also. Folks, listen to the names on this team. Naz Reed, Javante Smart, Darius Days, Will Wade, Jenna Sequa. I'm big on LSU. I, I think they're making the tournament, absolutely. I think he'll be able to blend that. 
And Tremont Waters has something, you know, that, that sort of feel that you can't quantify making big shots. And listen, LSU's a fun school. It's a football school. But you mentioned those great Chris Jackson, Shaq. There's a lot of fun going down LSU. So jump on the bandwagon right now. Naz Reed's coming. I like it. I like it. I agree with you. With you, I think hearing you talk about it, I think has now it's totally sold me on they're gonna they're gonna make the tournament. We got. I want them to make the tournament for for Waters. I want to watch him in a tournament game just by himself. I think it's gonna be uh, not like Trey Young ish, but I think it could be in a in maybe the same conversation. I think it would be that exciting. I think it'd be it'd be excellent. Well, gosh, I mean, folks, we're just getting warmed up here. We have so many things on the Screen the Screener podcast coming up for you. Gus is in the dungeon. Think of him as Grandpa Al in the Munsters. He's getting all these previews ready. We're going to have the best preview in college basketball coming up for you. We're not just going to throw out one of these silly, way too early top 25 lists, okay? Right. Gus is going in-depth for you. Gus is going to have some incredible stuff. We're getting the videos going again. Marquise Reed was out today. Okay, I put that. You know, I got Clemson fans chiming in. Gus does a great job with that. So, folks, look for that as well. Of course, we got our patron, patreon.com. Check it out. Screen the screener. Contribute. Give us, you know, give a, a, a give and take relationship here at the podcast. And trust me, we have worth your while. Gus sent out some shirts today, I think, for some of the fans. So we got some great things coming up. I did. Yep. Yep. We got some nice, nice screen the screener t-shirts out for those Patreon listeners out there. Thank you guys. And yeah, I I think please give the podcast a follow at SDS on Twitter. Love to hear from you guys that way. Uh, If you want to hit up the show via Gmail, SDSpodcast at gmail.com. And please give uh, Mike a follow. He is entertaining, insightful, and educational at Randall Rant. So those are your places where you can get a little bit more screen the screener if you're looking for a little bit more to consume on the college basketball landscape. Uh, Mike, you want to do this again next week for the listeners? I absolutely do. Folks, remember, these other pods that come popping up in October going glad to be back, we never left, okay? You want college basketball in August, that's why we're here. We're not talking Condoleezza Rice. You know what we're talking about? Naz Reed and Will Wade. That's what we're talking about. If you like that, stay with us. We appreciate it. Cheers, cilantro, grazie, cilantro, arigato. Thank you, everybody. I don't think I could spell Genesee Qua again. I just turned off my phone out here. It's fine.